This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive, said Joseph Campbell. Young people want parents to listen more, be more fun and relaxed, be more respectful and to be less judgmental and more honest. Active listening means we repeat what we think we understood, even if we don't agree, including feelings, so the other person can check for accuracy. We don't assume we know what the other person is feeling. Good communication aims to understand underlying needs and motivations, which may not be conscious. We pay attention to learning about different temperaments and personality types, which helps us be understanding and therefore more patient. Valeria Tellez interviews Gail Kimball, the author of How to Survive Your Parents' Divorce, Kids' Advice to Kids, answers to kids' deep questions in photos, and Calm Parents and Children, a guidebook. Gail Kimball, Ph.D., is an intuitive coach who teaches clairvoyance and healing webinars and is the author of over 20 books. They include other titles for parents and kids, 50-50 Parenting, The Teen Trip, The Complete Resource Guide, Your Mindful Guide to Academic Success, Beat Burnout, Everything You Need to Know to Succeed After College, and Climate Girls, Saving Our World. Other titles include Essential Energy Tools, How to Develop Your Clairvoyant and Healing Abilities, illustrated with videos and CDs, Mysteries of Reality, Dialogues of Visionary Scientists, Mysteries of Healing, Mysteries of Knowledge Beyond the Sense, and Quick Healthy Recipes. Gail has been a college professor most of her life. She's also a ballroom dancer. She invites you to check out her YouTube channel, Meet Gail at gailkimball.info. Here is the interview with Gail Kimball. In your own words, who is Gail Kimball today? Wow. I am a curious, hardworking person who loves to dance and garden and hike and learn. And I think the reason we're on the planet is to grow and evolve, to enjoy the creation, 
and to help others. I love that answer every time I hear. And I believe that too. And I get that answer quite often, helping others, evolving. How did you come to this understanding, Gail? Uh, my spiritual understanding? Yes, yeah, of life itself. I think I, I personally believe that we're born many times. I think the soul is indestructible. So I think we have eons of experiences that, that teach us. We come in with a lot. And I was fortunate because my family raised my brother and I in the Church of Religious Science, which is, you know, positive thinking. Your life is what you make it, what you what you visualize, that, that kind of thing. And I, as a teenager, was influenced by reading Houston Smith's book, Religion of Man, and um, the chapters on Hinduism and Buddhism seemed to me to really explain life, that there's cause and effect, there's karma and reincarnation, as we sow, so shall we reap, as the Bible says. Those were some of my early influences. And then I've, I've learned a lot. I did a trilogy where I interviewed 65 visionary scientists who are quantum physicists and physicians and researchers, and I learned from interviewing them as reported in that trilogy about how life works. So you have written many books for parents and kids, and one of which is the book we are discussing today, Calm Parents and Children, a guidebook. And we are focused on, on this book, but I know you have written so many, as I just mentioned. So talk to me for a moment about the inspiration to write books for parents and children, Gail. Well, it's a pretty simple explanation. <laughs> I was a child. I was a parent. I have a son and a grandson. So um, I, I learn a lot from books. I, I, I they resonate with me. And so when I became a parent, I read a lot about child discipline and the stages of child rearing. And I wanted to share what I learned from interviewing parents who share. So I did 50-50 parenting, 50-50 marriage. And I learned a lot from those couples in, in terms of how they make equitable division of labor and how they help their kids be all that they can be. That sounds like a fascinating uh, research <laughs> to engage in. So I have lots of questions for you um, about this book, but the two initial ones, they are open questions. What is another word for parenting from your perspective? Teaching, guidance, limit setting, ins inspiration, creating options, yeah. mentor. Uh, yes. And another question is, what wish or value do all children share? I think we all share wanting to be loved and to love and connect with other human beings. As primates, we're social animals. And I think we all need to be loved and cared for. And you can see those studies of children in Eastern Europe who are orphans and who were fed and clothed, but not loved and touched and cuddled. Some of them died and they certainly did develop very well. So we are primates and we need to be touched, cuddled, loved, appreciated, praised, limits, edits for us, that kind of thing. And the touch, that's interesting how 
we easily forget that to kind of give that love to ourselves. I talk a lot about and write about self-love and how important it is. Do you believe that it could be the primary practice in loving others? The image that I use, um, especially when talking with women, is that if you have a village that has a well that supplies all the water for the village, then you really got to make sure that well is full and the water is kept flowing into the well. So a lot of times women are the nurturers and organizers and administrators of their family and then they're working outside the home and they burn out and then they're grouchy and irritable and they can't be relaxed, loving parents and partners. So yeah, I think what I would like to see is an application of self-love, which means that you replenish your storehouse, you recharge your batteries, you get massages, or you take a walk, or you take a nap, or you have lunch with friends, or whatever it is that nourishes you, and don't feel guilty that you're nourishing your own batteries. Yeah, that's a, a beautiful advice for all of us, me included. <laughs> I thought about the massage that I remember an experience with that. It was incredible. I was crying during the the massage uh, session because the body was so was being neg neglected for so long that uh -huh. when received that kind touch, it, it's just bursting into tears, and it couldn't even hold or conceive what was happening. It was almost like grieving, like instant grieving. That was an interesting experience. It was many years ago, but I do feel like we, this is a daily practice, right, Gail? It's something that we do even from moment to moment, even not just daily, but it's something to be aware of. Uh, like yes. now talking to you, I'm aware of the body and I touch my heart and I put my hands together <laughs> and it, it, that helps to connect better with you and my guests. Ah, you know, I, I think of like our chimpanzee and bonobo cousins. They they spend a lot of time cuddling, grooming each other, you know, looking for fleas. So they spend a lot of time just touching and nurturing each other. That's how they bond and feel good. It makes so much sense. And that's not just something that makes sense from a concept that we have created from nowhere. It's actually scientifically proven or, like you said, it can be seen in the history of human beings, how important it is. And that's why I think it's really important that parents read to their children every night before bed, mm -hmm. because when you're reading a story, you're cuddling. Yeah. So with little kids, they're sitting in your lap, they're looking at the pictures. So it's not just that they're learning verbal skills, but it's also they're close to you. They're, they're bonding and they're getting nice, cozy touches. Yeah, yes. And even the sound of the voice, right? The vibration of that. It has a lot of power, too. Before I ask you more questions about the book, Calm Parents and Children, talk to me for a moment about the book, Answers to Kids, Deep Questions in Photos. Well, I wanted to do this for my grandson and other kids. He's now 11. And what I did is I asked children around the world and young people, if you could ask questions of the wisest person on the planet, 
what would you ask her and or him? And so then I took some of the most common questions and then I answered them with pictures. Like a question is, what is God? And the answer is, God is patterns in the universe. And then I have a picture of a spiral galaxy, a spiral in a shell, a spiral in a rose. And I say, what other patterns do you see? How do you define God? And then I have God as love. And I have a picture of a mom holding her little boy and a picture of my niece and her groom at their wedding in Colorado. So uh, the, there's questions and answers with photos that mostly I've taken throughout the, the, the little book. Oh, wow. And you have taken those pictures too. Most of them, yeah. And the, the idea is to have a starting point for family dialogue. So you can say, okay, Gail says that God is this. What do we think in this family that God, the meaning of God or what, what is love? So it's a starting point for good family, deep conversations. I love that <laughs> because I love deep conversations. So in children, it's fascinating how they can engage with that. It's often thought that they cannot think about these things, but it's incredible once you ask a question to a child. It's just amazing what, what comes out of their mouth. <laughs> I have seen that. The things that surprised me is I asked questions of over 4,000 young people, more teens than elementary school age, from 88 countries that I reported on different books. And what surprised me is a lot of the young people asked, what happens after death? Do we go on? Is there heaven? Is there hell? And I, you know, you don't, I didn't expect that people that young would be thinking about death, but they were. So you're right that they they really do ask questions about the meaning of life and profound questions. That's for sure. I remember myself being very interested in deep questions. And this is something that now became this. And I almost feel like this is the fulfillment of myself as a child that I always wanted to ask deep questions and mm. have deep conversations, and I never had the opportunity to do it. Mm. So now it's, uh, it feels like I have said that to you before, probably, that this is my sacred space, like a mm. devotional thing, because it brings back the, the love, the heart, <laughs> doing what it always wanted to do. And speaking of meaning conversations and asking deep questions and answering them, I know your book, The Calm Parents and Children, you provide tools for parents to navigate the challenging experience that is to uh, educate children. And then the first one that caught my attention was the, uh, which relates to what we are talking about now, is to practice effective communication and listening. So... Talk to me about, besides asking questions and listening, what else is there that can make this dynamic of communicating effectively and listening a healing thing and a, a connecting experience? I wonder if body language is part of that. Well, w what I think about is that uh, the concept of mother deafness. And um, I know that certainly happened in my family. Dinner's ready. Okay. Dinner's ready. Okay. Dinner's <laughs> <Yeah>. ready. Okay. <laughs> yes. down. Okay. So, um, but I think the most important thing about communication, and I think this might be with everybody, 
of different ages is there are consequences. If there's no consequences of me not coming to, to dinner or not doing the dishes or whatever my job was, then why should I pay attention to it? So I, I really emphasize in parenting and I've taught junior high, high school, college, that the importance of not talking sometimes, of, of being quiet and letting the consequences take effect. I know when, when I was teaching junior high, if the class got noisy, I would just stop talking. Mm, yeah. And really very quiet voice. And then, then they would listen to what, what we were going to do next. So I, I Children the Challenge by Dreikers is kind of a classic book where he talks about let consequences be the the teacher not lecturing, which kids don't listen to, especially boys don't listen to. So if the family rule is if you want your clothes washed, they need to be by the washer in this dirty clothes hamper. If your clothes aren't there, they don't get washed. It's real simple. If our rule is you're home to eat dinner at six, if you're not there at six, and then your dinner is cold. So um, consequences are more powerful than nagging, repeated phrase, whatever. And I think also what's important about communication is a lot of times it's easier to criticize, and that's not just for kids, but for our partners. Why didn't you do this? How come you did that? Why did you get a C on this exam and whatever? And so I think it's important in any relationship that we have more praise than criticism and blame and fault giving. And then we know from behavior modification principles that it's good to reward good behavior and kind of ignore what they call extinct bad behavior. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of consequences, praise, and, um, and having fun. Masters and Johnson talked about pair bonding, P-A-I-R, is based on the shared memory of good times. And that's not just true for couples, it's true for families. So I think it's really important for families to have regular fun events as, as part of their, their family routine. Um, and I also think it's good to have regular family meetings mm. where people talk about what, what's going on, and that they should always end with praise and appreciation so it's not a dreaded event. Oh, I love that idea. That's something that often doesn't happen. I wonder why even my husband and I, just him and I, we don't really kind of schedule, set up a time to just talk about everything that we usually don't, you know, groceries and the house and all the other things, the normal things, the expected things. And I wonder why I don't do that, because I do that here. I love talking about everything here, <laughs> but not with him. Is that something that has to do with interests, Gail? Because we're all different and unique, and some of us are not interested in the same. No, I think it's just because we have so many demands. We're so busy. And yeah. so we, mm. you do the paying the bills, the buying the food, the taking the kid to, to school, you do the things that have to be done first. So it's easy to let the, the more subtle, um, soft issues go. So that's why I'm a big fan of structure. So I think couples should have a date night 
at least once a week. And that should just be scheduled in. Every Saturday is our date night. And every Sunday is family fun day. And we take turns picking what we're going to do. Are we going to go for a hike? Are we going to make pizza? What are we going to do for our fun day? So I think it's really important to schedule it in or else it vanishes. So true. And another question that came to me is that, is that something that is, is initiated by women usually? Or do men initiate these um these instructors for better relationships? Um, I'm working on a book called um, A Global Dialogue on Masculinity. So I've been learning a lot by talking to men and therapists. And generally, it's women who initiate, honey, we need to talk about <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, yeah. and what I've learned that I thought is really interesting is there's physiological differences so it's harder for men to have these emotional discussions. They get what John Gottman, who's an expert in couples and love and marriage, calls flooding. They're, they're physiologically get overwhelmed and flooded mm-hmm. by some of these emotional discussions. So a typical pattern that therapist Sue Johnson talks about is women reach out, talk to me. And the man uh, pulls back and then (laughs) she gets more angry because she feels he's not connecting with her. And then her anger makes him pull back more and it becomes a vicious cycle. So it's really important that we understand our attachment styles and um, work to have the courage to talk about what's going on with us in a way that works for both the man and the woman. But these interests, the, the interest of growing the relationship and expanding a relationship usually comes from women. I have seen that. I mean, with myself, I have experienced that so many times. And I wonder why. Are we more sensitive? Are we more willing to grow in every way and give ourselves and explore Within, it's more like an, it seems like it's a within journey. It feels like we are exploring the outside, but it's a, it seems like women we are more connected with our own hearts, and we want to expand that to the outside well, there's world. Two, two things going on. One is we socialize. We train boys and girls very differently. So we tell boys, "Don't be like a girl. Don't cry. Don't show your vulnerability." And then. We somehow magically expect them to be an adult and be vulnerable and talk about their feelings. But their whole life, they've been told, don't cry, don't don't be like a girl. And then there's a recent UCLA study that showed that in a stressful situation, women tend to bond and befriend. So if I'm stressed, I'm going to call you up and say, Valeria, I just had this difficult thing happen. Let me get this off my chest. Let me bitch about it. And men don't do that as much. They tend to want to to uh, fight or flight. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be aggressive, or I'm gonna get the heck out of here. So it it's it's everything that we do is a combination of our physiology and our role socialization, and it's probably much more how we're raised than it is our physiology and hormones and all that. So true. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Gail. Because sometimes we tend to um, 
praise ourselves too much <laughs> or gender, but it's uh, actually, it's a human thing, isn't it? Conditionings, there are so many factors that play a role when it comes to behavior. And another tool that you suggest in the book, Calm Parents and Children, is I would love for you to give me an example of this, is understand children's points of view. What would be an example of this? Well, I mentioned that I surveyed over 4,000 young people. And one of the questions was, if you could change one thing about adults, what would you change? And I thought that was really very interesting. And they said, you won't be surprised. We want them to listen more and judge less. We want them to be less bossy and rigid and have more fun. And we want respect from them. Just because we're young doesn't mean we're not smart and don't know a lot and have good judgment. And some of them said they were critical of adults' bad habits like drinking and smoking and being mean or dishonest. So I think it boils down to the golden rule that we all want is treat me like I would like I would like you to treat me like I would treat you if that makes sense. So it's a matter of being respectful, kind, and even to your kids and your partner. Because sometimes we are so hurried and stressed, we are we forget to be kind and positive and listen. Yeah, it's so true. So it is a practice, isn't it, of yeah, of awareness. And another uh, suggestion in the book is maintain energy with wellness practices. This practice, it's connected to self-love. Would you say that, Gail? Well, I, I have an, uh, the partner book to this is called Calm, How to Thrive in Challenging Times. And it, so that, that book is full of, of ways to stay centered and take good care of yourself. And, and I use a lot of visualizations because visualizations are a way to harness the power of thought. And we know that thought is extremely powerful and visualizations focus it. So I give all kinds of visualizations about how to ground and center, achieve goals, protect your space, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, that is um, chapter five. It's uh, illustrated in a CD called Kids Mind Power, right? Yeah, I, I put together a fun little CD for kids with original music, peppy music, and uh, fun ways for kids to do the kind of visualizations of grounding and centering and achieving their goals. Right. The section called Explanation of the Power of the Mind. I love that too, which has to do with um, visualizations. And then another session in your book that caught my attention was uh, Stress Reduction and Resilience. That's where you offer so many uh, suggestions and techniques that includes music, breathing, meditation, movement, massage. Boy, I've been thinking about massage. My neck hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Being resilient is is a theme nowadays because kids are so challenged and we know that the numbers of kids who are ha- having anxiety and depression is increasing uh, around the world they're under so much um, pressure and stress and so people talk about resilience and I discuss that too in my book about um, 
mindful, how to have academic success. And there's that's directed for college age kind of people and anybody else. But a, a lot of it, I think, is self-talk. It's how we talk to ourselves about challenges. So the constructive way is to think of this as a challenge that I can grow from. So when I make a mistake, I don't think, oh, dang, I did something really stupid. I think, hmm, uh, what can I learn from this so I don't repeat it? How, how, how can I learn from that? And so the, the idea is, do we look at the glass as half full or do we look at the glass as half empty? And we need to get in the habit of looking at it as at least half full. Because we know from studies of happiness that um, about 40% of how happy you are is just your thought process, your self-talk. Do you take regular time each day to be in gratitude? And do you give up perfectionism? And do you meditate and think about helping others and your own growth process. So our thoughts are really, really powerful. Meditation. This is such an, an amazing technique that I have practiced myself and I have talked to so many people here about it. Uh, from your perspective, talk to me about meditation. How do you meditate, well, Gail? Some people say that you should try to make your mind blank and have little thoughts if they come across, let them be a little cloud and let them drift away. But I have a monkey mind. I cannot have a blank mind. So I, I have another CD, which is my um, meditation running energy. And you're, you're thinking the whole time, I'm grounding, I'm centering, I'm bringing in earth energy, I'm bringing in heavenly energy, I'm balancing each of the seven chakras. So um I, I meditate with an active mind, and I'm not saying that's the best way, but other people really emphasize that you say a mantra like Satchitananda, Satchitananda, or you look at a candle flame, or you, you keep your mind focused on one thing so that you still the mind, because the, 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 the point of meditation is to have a quiet mind. So then you can listen to your deeper source of information, your deeper self. So you keep your chatter stilled. Yeah, you teach us to know the difference, right? That's another question that I often ask. How do we know the difference between the deep inner wisdom, intuition, and our belief systems and conditionings, yeah. habits? How do we learn to balance them? Because we do have to listen to um, functional thoughts, right, uh, on things that we must do to take care of our house, of the body, basic things. Sure. But sometimes they take center stage and they're running the show. And now we are not having the, we don't have the attention, we don't give attention to the deeper earnings, um, I call them desires of the heart. Mm -hmm. They're just not being heard. Um, I had another question about meditation, but I think I forgot, didn't I? Yes, I did. So another question I have for you is about the events in 2020. How did they influence parents within this challenging experience to teach children, educate children to be peaceful and calm human beings? Well, I think the most stressful was not having kids in school. So it was hard for 
kids and parents to try to have parents working from home and kids trying to do schoolwork from home and people got on each other's nerves and got impatient with each other, didn't have breaks from each other. So to me, that was the big challenge. But then I think any kind of political event, current event can be a, a, a discussion for the family. Why do you think those people on January 6th were so violent and took over the Capitol building and who should be responsible and should they be punished because they thought they were saving the USA and the proper president? So I, I think anything like that can be a food for thought and a way to discuss our family values and what's right and wrong and how do we make decisions about our values. So, yeah, definitely it was a challenging year, plus, of course, the fear of COVID and little kids trying to go to school with masks on and keep six feet from each other. You're right. It was a, a challenging year. But we know from a resilience that we look at challenges as opportunities for growth. What a beautiful way of navigating this reality, if we can do that every time. Creativity comes to mind when I think about resilience. Mm. Becoming more creative. How can I do this differently? How can I think differently? <laughs> Good point. It always helps. Um, another question, we're almost at the end and I have too many questions. It's about something that you mentioned in the book. You say parenting is difficult in a country without good childcare, flexible work hours and other social supports. How does culture influence parenting? You know, it, it's a huge problem because the U.S. is the only industrial nation without paid parental leave and affordable child care. So it stresses parents out and it puts more conflict and, and disharmony into the family. There's a Finnish woman named Anu Partanen and she came, she married an American and came to live in New York. And she was so surprised that people were so stressed. And it, it all the studies of happiness show that the Scandinavian countries and sometimes Switzerland and sometimes Canada are much happier because they don't have to worry about who's going to take good care of my child or my elder or how am I going to afford this surgery that I need when, you know, I don't have adequate health insurance. So it's extremely important. And I'm so sad that people like Senator Manchin from South Dakota are against paid family leave. And he said, oh, I have to do research on it. I mean, it's been known for decades that uh, the Scandinavians have a model of, of really good family supports. And like in Canada, the, the fathers spend much more time with their kids than they do in the U.S. because they have paid parental leave. And for my men's book, I interviewed an Icelandic professor, and he, he points out that in their studies, men who took parental leave, which is most, have much better marriages and maintain closer contact with their children. So the whole business of social support structures is huge, and we're really stressed and dragged down by not having them in this country. And I can't believe that we're not going to pass the Build Back Better Act that would provide some of those supports. It's really tragic. I know. And that goes for every state in the United States, Gail. 
or just some of the states? It should be that there should be a national policy that, like in Sweden, you get a year paid leave, that, and they designate, and it has to be used by the dad this this many months, so that the dads will take it. So um, some corporations provide mm, yeah. paid leave, but uh, there's not a federal mandate that you have to. So can you imagine having a C-section or have, trying to nurse a baby and you have to go back to work and full time in a few weeks? I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah, that's it is overwhelming. It, I mean, it has to be. It's interesting. It's not acknowledged. Women's needs. That's um, something that we often don't talk about here, but that's political, I guess, but it's a human thing that's not being acknowledged, a human and basic need. It's enormously expensive. Like infant care is mm. as much as sending a kid to a good universe, private university. So that means if you don't have a lot of money, you don't get good child care and your kids suffer. So no wonder why Americans are very stressed, stressed yeah. out, anxious, right? Yeah. They have a lot of issues, yeah. uh, mental issues. And aren't happy. Yeah, what can we do about that, Gail? It says something that, has something been actually done, some uh, activism or projects? Do you know anything that has been done or it is in progress at this moment? Yeah, Congress, the, the House of Representatives passed the Build Back Better Act, which includes parental, paid parental leave and assistance with child care, with the cost of child care and that kind of thing. So it's it's step in that direction, but the, the, none of the Republicans in the Senate will vote for it. So that means all 50 senators that are Democrats have to vote for it, but Joe Manchin won't, and maybe Kristen Simona in Arizona won't. And if he won't, it won't pass. One man can hurt so many people. Ah. And he's a millionaire, you know. He doesn't wow. have to worry about those things. Right, right. And I don't know what to say because... Like you just yeah. said, one person can hurt so many. Yeah. To office who were supportive of these kind of programs. I mean, we can vote, but that's we definitely have the power to do that and give money to people who support those kind of programs who are running for office. So we have power as voters. Yeah, I really see the power of um, activism in those movements that people go on the street and really kind of uh, demand attention. Yeah. To these right. issues, it, those they seem to work. They seem to work. I'm not so sure about it. Do they work, uh, Gail? Would they work in this case if we all go out there? Yeah, it hasn't so far. A bunch of people from Mansion State uh, kayaked up to his. He lives in a in a yacht when he's in in Congress, and they they had dialogue with him about the need for these kind of programs. And then he had the nerve to say, well, I don't want to have childcare subsidies because the people would, they, they would just use it to buy drugs. I mean, it's such a put down of poor people that, um, it's such an elitist point of view, but you're right. Activism works. I mean, that's why we have integrated schools and, um, some protections about voting access. So those are, although those are being eroded in states around the country, in the South especially. So, yeah, it's two steps forward and one step back. 
Uh, so, yeah, thank you for bringing this up. <laughs> you made me think now about these things, which I usually don't. Uh, I don't know why exactly, because maybe because I'm not a mother. So it's interesting when it's not our reality, it's kind of easy to forget about it or not, not even think about these things. Right. So we are almost at the end. I love the, uh, the end of your book. You add some daily actions for calm parents and children. They're very insightful. <laughs> so you have 10 of them. That uh, includes what you mentioned earlier, read together, meditation, prayer, do something fun. So th- this is all the things that seem to make so much sense, but we uh, usually we just forget about it or don't think about it. So that's why it's a very useful thing to talk about <laughs> these things and share these messages. And, and it seems to me that that's the reason why I host this podcast. And thank you for doing what you do too, Gail. Mm. speaking your truth. Thank you. And let's see the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything else that we didn't cover today? You know, I'm thinking about when people are on their deathbed, they never say, oh, I wish I'd spent more time at work or I wish I'd (laughs) made more money. They say, I wish I'd spent more time with my family and my friends. I wish I'd had more fun and didn't worry about how neat my kitchen was or that kind of thing. So I think, I think it's important to look at what's really what our values are and remind ourselves what's important. And a lot of the things, activities we get caught up in maybe aren't so important. We can ma- make an effort to be kind and appreciative and give praise and smile and have fun. So true, yeah. In a way, it, it starts with the end, right? That reflection, a deep, sincere reflection with the end of whatever this that we call life. I love those reflections. I often engage in them. They are very powerful. It changes everything in the moment. It completely changes uh, the way I see the world and people. Beautiful reminder, though. Thank you so much, Gail, for being you. It's really beautiful. Well, thank you for doing these interviews. They're really, um, people can learn a lot from them. You've talked to so many different people without about so many different interesting topics. Yes, I love this stuff. <laughs> like I said to you, it's a child desire from the heart. And uh, let's see, my last question is, what are the three most important lessons you believe parents must learn or need to learn or should learn? Give your children lots of choices, like do you want to wear this shirt or that shirt, so they have a feeling of some kind of autonomy, be consistent, stick to your guns, teach in terms of consequences rather than lectures and nagging, and um, make family life enjoyable. Have fun. (laughs) Yeah, going back to fun, I agree. (laughs) So true. Thank you so much again, Carol. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, the, the website is www.gailkimball.info slash bookstore. And you'll see the books for parenting, like 50-50 Parenting, Calm Parents and Children, The Teen Trip, A Resource Guide for Teens, How to Survive Your Parents' Divorce, Answers to Kids' Deep Questions and Photos, Your Mindful Guide to Academic Success, Beat Burnout, Everything You Need to 
you know you need to know to succeed after college and climate girls saving our world thank you again i'll have the link on your podcast profile have a wonderful day and we'll talk soon gail thank Bye you for now Thank you for listening. To learn more about Gail Kimball and her work, please visit gailkimball.info. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.